Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Good morning. (laughs) There we go. Hey, uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Ryan. I have the honor of serving here as a lead pastor and on behalf of our TC family, if today's your first time, we just want to say again, uh, welcome home, welcome home. Uh, hey, in the late uh, 90s, do you guys remember a, um, a TV show called America's Dumbest Criminals? I remember America, they, they, uh, it was a TV show that poked fun of criminals that would do like stupid stuff in order to get caught. Uh, if you're under 30 in the room, it, uh, your version of that was uh, Snoop Dogg, So Dumb It's Criminal. That was your version of it. Um, but uh, I, I, I love that, that show. What, I remember one of the, one of the uh, examples was about this guy that walks into the bank and uh, he's robbing the bank and he hands the cashier uh, a note. And the note read, be quick, be quiet, Give your cash or I'll shoot. And uh, the bank teller ended up following his directives, handed him $400. And uh, the way that he got caught, this is so crazy, the way that he got caught is he had given the note on the back of his pay stub. And so when the detective showed up after the robbery, they noticed outside of the bank was a piece of paper and they picked it up, and on the back of the note that, uh, that was robbing the teller, on the back of the note, it had the criminal's full name and address. Full name and address. Uh, well, here's what this has to do with, with today, and this is, today's kind of a, a, a heavier uh, topic, but from God's perspective, there's really only one way that we can end up on his version of that kind of TV show. And that's what I wanna talk to you about uh, today. Hey, welcome to week two of our Elephant in the Room message series. We've been kind of going on this journey together, um, discovering what biblical stewardship looks like and uh, the blessing that it can be in our life. Last week, if you missed last week, uh, was amazing service. Make sure and check that out online or on a podcast. Uh, but one of the things that I mentioned last week as it related to gratitude was how God kind of has a way to, to, to kind of nudge us in the back towards his purpose for our life. Uh, maybe you felt it before. I know I've felt it many of times. Uh, it's usually towards something that we're a little bit uncomfortable with, but he knows at the end of the day, it's for our good. And everything inside of us wants to resist it, but once we kind of let ourselves go, then we experience, we kind of end up with this hindsight on the other side where we look back and we say, hey, this was a difficult journey for us. It was a huge step of faith, but we see why God was leading us down uh, that path. And, uh, and today is, is another example of that. Today, um, in, a, in a non-judgmental, guilt-free kind of way, I wanna lay out um, this idea of biblical tithing and... Um, 
And my hope is, is uh, as soon as we step into this message, half of you don't have to use the restroom um, and <laughs> step out. But, uh, but we're going to dig into a passage of scripture, Malachi chapter three. If you got your Bibles, uh, turn there. And um, I want to take just a, a few minutes today. I want to dig into this scripture. I want to want to help you see some things that maybe you've not seen before as it relates to generosity and tithing and. Um, and then there's kind of a, a, a surprise, there's kind of a thing, a surprise ending to the message um, that I want to share with you that um, uh, you probably won't, won't expect related to, uh, to God's word. But grab your Bible, let's make your way to Malachi 3 today. I've uh, titled uh, this message, Opportunity is Knocking. Opportunity is Knocking. Malachi chapter 3, I think, is, um, is an interesting Book. It's in Malachi 3 that we find really the most famous uh, Bible passage as it relates to tithing. But I find Malachi to be quite interesting because the people of Israel, which is who Malachi is written to, um, are really dealing with some similar things that we deal with today. You see, as this was written, they were in a season where they were growing increasingly disappointed with God. They had these, these expectations of what God should be doing in their life, and those expectations weren't being met. In a way, they wanted everything that God had for them, but they didn't want to be obedient to God. And this disconnect that they began to experience grew into spiritual complacency. And so what God does is he steps in and he speaks to through Malachi and he essentially tells the people of Israel, listen, if you want to experience my promises, then first you need to kind of own your own disobedience. Like you need to take responsibility for the things that you're doing right now in your life. And then secondly, God challenges them to go all in and serve them faithfully. And so with that kind of in mind, I want us to look at Malachi chapter three and I want us to see what God says to uh, his people. He says in verse six, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. And I want to stop right here for a second. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, theologians call this the immutability of God. In other words, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the reason why this theological position is so important for us as followers of Christ is because when it comes to this idea of, of tithing, usually the most popular argument is that tithing was something that was written under the Old Testament law. And since now we live in New Testament grace, we are no longer obligated to tithe. And that's partially accurate. But the problem is with that argument is do you know what else is under the Old Testament law. It says under the Old Testament law, don't commit murder. <laughs> it says don't steal. It says don't lie. It says don't commit adultery. And so even though we are under grace, 
I think the question that we have to ask ourselves, if that is our argument, is that do we now believe that it is okay to murder, steal, lie, and commit adultery? You see, when we understand that God does not change, it helps give us greater perspective to the principle of tithing because tithing isn't just found in the Old Testament law. You'll see in scripture that it's mentioned 41 times and over half of those times has nothing to do with the Old Testament law. Tithing, you see, surfaces in Scripture 2,500 years before the law was ever even um, originated with Cain and Abel. You see then tithing mentioned during the Old Testament law. Then you see tithing mentioned eight times in the New Testament. And you also even see Jesus affirm tithing in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. You see, I think the thing that you and I, as we kind of do this faith journey, and especially as we navigate a topic like this that's so difficult for all of us, and I'm saying all of us, even though I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean that um, I'm always super excited to give, uh, to give my tithe, right? And uh, I got plenty of other places that it could go to. But I think what we've got to understand about this is that when God sent his one and only son, Jesus to die on a cross, God was going all in for us. When Jesus then laid his life down on the cross, Jesus was going all in for us. And so I find it difficult to believe that if God goes all in and Jesus goes all in, that they're doing that to lower the standard of obedience in our life, right? Like look at, think about this. In the Old Testament law, it says, don't commit murder. But then Jesus comes along and what does he say? He says, don't even have hate in your heart towards your brother and your sister. You see, there's something about the being under grace that doesn't lower the barrier, it doesn't lower the standard, but it actually raises it. I mean, think about not committing adultery, which is in the Old Testament law. It was a sin before the Old Testament law, and it's a sin after the Old Testament law. But then Jesus steps in and he says, listen, it's not just about whether you commit adultery or not, but then the next question is, is do you have lust in your heart towards somebody else? You see, if anything... God sent in his son, Jesus, and Jesus died on a cross, and us receiving the free gift of salvation and living under his grace is not so that we live our lives less generous, it's so that we live our lives more generous. Why? Because God gave his one and only son, and you and I get to receive forgiveness from our sins. You see in this verse six that he not only talks about him not changing, but the, the second part of that I think is a little comical because basically what God's telling the people of Israel is, listen, you are, you're lucky. 
You are lucky that I don't change. You're lucky that I'm a merciful God or I would have destroyed you a long time ago. It, uh, it reminds me a little bit of like what my dad might have said when I was, uh, when I was a teenager in the house when I did something wrong. Um, I don't know what your growing up thing was like, but my dad, when he would get super mad and he would look at me, I would see the white around his eyeballs. <laughs> And uh, I knew I was in trouble when I saw the white around the eyeballs. But God tells him in verse 7, he says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. This word decree is kind of interesting because the Hebrew word means something prescribed. Now, here's why I think that that is interesting. What does a doctor do when we're sick? prescribes medicine, right? And the medicine that he prescribes is in order to heal us of whatever sickness we have. Now, quick test from last week. What is the sickness that all of us in this room have? Selfishness, all right? And another test from last week. What does selfishness always lead to in our life? That's sin, And so here, what we're seeing is we're seeing God saying, listen, you all have a sickness and that sickness is selfishness. And he's saying, I have prescribed to you the medication of tithing, yay. (laughs) And God says, he says, if you'll take the medication the way that I have directed you to, All right, because there's a difference between a doctor giving us medication and us just taking a little bit and not doing it as directed. And then there's the side of us doing the way that the doctor directed. God says this, that if you'll take the medication the way that I've directed you, you're going to become less selfish, which means you're going to sin less, which means you're going to experience more of my promises. God says, if you don't take the medication the way that I have directed, you're going to become more selfish. You're going to sin more and you're going to miss out on my promises. He goes on to say, he says, listen, return to me and I'm going to, and I'm going to return to you, says the Lord. And, and it says, but you ask, how are we to return? Now this I find interesting because there's something inside of them that they could not see the disconnect between their disobedience with God and the fact that they weren't experiencing all of his promises. And they didn't really see that as a big deal because they assumed being around the things of God was good enough to experience the promises of God. And God is kind of pumping the brakes in this moment. He's saying, listen, that is not how my kingdom works. God responds this way in verse eight. He says, will a mere mortal rob me? Yet you do. He says, the the people respond, well, how, how are we robbing you? And this is the part that all of us wish was not in the Bible. He responds to them with this statement, with your tithes, your offerings. Tithes being the first 10% of increase that that comes in and offerings being biblically anything that's over and above that 
10%. God is telling this group of people, and he's saying, listen, I have done so much for you. I have freed you. I've brought you out of slavery. Now you find yourself in this season where you're almost like accepting the freedom, but you're living in disobedience. And he's saying, listen, if you, if you want me, my presence, my promises to return back to you, then you've got to stop robbing me. The medication of that selfishness, that all disobedience is rooted in selfishness. It's about what we want and what, what we will want to kind of do in our own life. And it's all rooted there. And he's saying, listen, the medication for that selfishness in your life is for you to go all in with me and to give your tithes and your offerings. Now, listen, I know, I know this is like none of us really want to hear this, I get it, and this is a non-judgmental, guilt-free, this is not me standing in front of you, gonna pound you, this is me, I just wanna lay out the facts of what we see in the Bible because at the end of the day, Andrea's heart and my heart is to see you walk in everything that, that Jesus died so that you could walk in. And what we see in this scripture, in the next, in verse nine, is that that God lays out the fact that there is a consequence to us robbing him of our tithes and offerings. He says, listen, when you do that, you are under a curse. He says, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now this word, I don't know about you, but when I see this word curse, like everything inside of me is like, like it just kind of gets tight, right? It gets tight a little bit. But here's, this is not what God's saying. He's not saying, I'm gonna cast some spells on you. He's not saying that I'm gonna strike you with some terminal illness or I'm gonna make your life fall apart because you're not doing what I've asked you to do. Here's what he's saying, and I've put it up here on the screens. He's saying, you've gotta make a decision of what you're gonna align your life with. He says, you can align your life with the worldly system, which I don't think I've got anybody that would argue with me that the worldly system is one that is selfish. It's one that's me-focused. It's one that is earthly-minded, right? It's about what's in it for me and how can, I, how can I kind of gather? How can I have the largest bank account? How can I have you know, all the toys and all the nice things? And that's what the worldly system does. And then you've got the godly system that is generous, that is others focused, that is eternally minded. And what God's trying to help them understand is that, listen, you can't align yourself in the worldly system and experience godly results. Like you can't align yourself on one side and experience the results on the other side. He's saying, if you look in this text, it doesn't even say that God is the one that curses him. What God is saying here is that you yourself are making the choice to align yourself on one system or the other. And if you want to experience a blessed life, if you want my promises and my favor upon your life, then you have to align your life 
with my system, which means that you begin to kind of you begin to kind of let go, right? That's one of our core values as a church, generosity, that we're going to live life with an open hand rather than a closed fist. And it's so easy for us in our life to, to, to be this way with areas that don't really matter a whole lot. But when you think about it, the area of our finances is oftentimes the last thing that we pry our fingers off of. God says in verse 10, he says, he says, listen, you got to align yourselves with, with my system of living. And he says, this is the way that you do it. You do it by bringing your, your whole tithe. It's not saying the 1% or the 2% or the 3% or $100 every once in a while. He says, bring your whole tithe. And where do you bring it? He says, you bring it to the storehouse, which in the New Testament represents the church. And the reason why you bring it into the storehouse is so there would be food in my house so that people can be spiritually fed. I mean, think about it for a moment. Most likely the reason why you're here today, unless you're new and this is your first time and holy cow, you picked a Sunday to be here the first time. Hey, if this is your first time, just let it, let it go, right? Like, like, don't, this is not, this is kind of more home folk. But think about this. Think about this. You're here today because at some point along the way, God has spoke to you through this church. God has ministered to you and your family through this church. And it has challenged you to lean in and to be more engaged in your spiritual journey. That it's fed your soul, it's fed your spirit, it's fed your family. And that's because there are people in our church that, that have been obedient in this and said, listen, God, you've, you've called me to tithe. I'm going to go all in. And as I bring this into the storehouse, you're going to use it to bless not only my family, but you're going to use it to bless other families. And many of us in this room are beneficiaries of other people's obedience because they are willing to align themselves not in a worldly system, but in a godly system. Now, watch what God says. He says, listen, I want you to test me in this. I love how he puts it here. Test me and see. Like I double dog dare you, is what God's saying. I double dog dare you to test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, friend, if you're kind of new to Transformation Church, we are not a prosperity church. The blessing of God is that he's speaking here is not just money. Like how many want to bless marriage? How many want blessed kids? How many want to bless future? Like it is bigger than just money. It's more than just that. And he's saying here, like, if you want to experience my blessing, my promises in your life, then you're going to have to test me in this area. And I think the reason why he uses this word test, which if you don't know this, this is the only place in the entire Bible that God tells us that we can test him. 
And not only is it the only place, it's the only topic by which he says we can test him. And I think the reason why he does that is because he understands how difficult this topic is in our lives, especially as it relates to the selfishness that every single one of us wrestle with in our lives. You see, the truth of the matter is this, is God knows that when we are aligned in the world's system, that you and I will never, ever be able to afford to tithe. We won't. We will never be able to afford to tithe until we tithe because our life is aligned under the wrong system. You see, when we began to tithe, to be obedient in our tithing, it realigns our lives from the world system to the godly system. It kind of makes me think of like back when Andrew and I were, were younger, we, were, we were, had been married for three or four years, and we were talking about, you know, starting a family. And my, my excuse every time we had this conversation was, we can't afford kids, <laughs> We can't afford kids. And here's what, I, here's what I learned, is that if that would have been the excuse that I used to not have kids, we would have never had kids. We still can't afford kids. It's just, it's amazing how as a parent, you walk into this, this kind of new life of, 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 of parenting and you just kind of have kids and, and you begin to, reprioritize what's important to you because now you're taking care of something of value to you, right? And so no longer was I going to get the shoes or the clothes because now my kids needed the shoes and they needed the clothes. No longer was I gonna get that whole tattoo arm sleeve because I'm stuck with this one part because the kids needed clothes and they needed shoes. And I think that's what God's getting at in this passage of scripture, that he understands how difficult it is. That as long as we align our life and the world system, we're always gonna look at this idea of tithing and say we can't afford it. But if we will just step over and align ourselves in the worldly system, here's what we discover along the journey, just like we discovered with kids, is that we can afford more than we realize. And there's something about being aligned in a godly system that, that as he begins to carve out selfishness in our life, that, that all of a sudden our budgets and the margin begin to increase and God begins to provide because we have aligned ourselves in a system that's not about us and it's not about what we can get, but it's about how can we make a difference in the lives of others so that my kids and my grandkids and my neighbors and that none of them have to experience the damnation of hell. And then he finishes up this, this saying, he says, he says, not only am I gonna bless you, but he does this in verse 11 and 12. He says, I'm gonna prevent pests from devouring your crops. Have you ever felt like there was never enough? 
Ever felt like in your finances, there was just this constant leaking that was going on? There was never, never enough. He says, I'm going to prevent the pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Verse 12, he says, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Friend, I wanna leave you with two ideas before we go today that, that I think are important for us to understand from God's perspective what tithing means to him. The first one is this, is that tithing is personal to God. It's personal. Imagine, imagine I had to go away for a period of time and I wanted to make sure that Andrea was taken care of. And I find three individuals that I felt like I could trust and I said, listen, I'm gonna give each one of you $10,000 a piece. Here's all I ask for you to do is to take 10% of that, take $1,000 and at the beginning of each month, send it to Andrea so that she can be taken care of. And imagine like I'm gone for six months and I, and I call Andrea up and I said, hey, you know, how things going? Like are, are, are those three doing what I've asked them to do? And she says, you know, um, the first one, you know, um, uh, Mikey, Mikey, um, Mikey gives $1,000 at the beginning of the month, every month is super faithful with, with, uh, with taking care of me and, and providing. And, and I've told them, I said, listen, you just give 10%, you keep the 90%, do with it whatever you want to do with it. And, and she says, you know, Mikey's giving me the 10% every month. And, and then she says, you know, uh, Joey, um, Joey gives me $2,000 a month. And, and Joey's always checking on me, making sure, like, like, are there any needs? Is there anything that I can do for you to, to help you out? And, and then... And then you got Elizabeth, and I said, How, how's Elizabeth doing? And, and, and Andrew's like, well, well, Elizabeth gave me $700 the first month, and then, and then Elizabeth gave me $400 the second month, and, and um, Elizabeth ha hasn't really given me anything um, since then. What do you think I'm going to do with the $10,000 that I'm sending Elizabeth. I'm gonna take that away from her and I'm going to distribute it to the two that are taking care of my bride, right? You do the same thing. And the reason why is because I can't trust Elizabeth because I've been giving her this money and I've said, listen, just give 10% to Andrea. You keep the 90 for yourself, do whatever you want to. And she's keeping more of it than what I've asked her to do. And so I can no longer trust Elizabeth with what I've been giving her. So I'm gonna redirect to somebody else that I can trust with. You're probably thinking, okay, Ryan, like what does that have to do with, with tithing? Well, it's this. Then in scripture, Jesus made this comment. He said, listen, I'm gonna go away for a while. And then when you look at scripture, what is scripture, how does scripture describe the church? Scripture describes the church as the body 
or the bride of Christ. So when you think about that in that context, that just like me going away, Jesus has gone away, and just like I have a bride that I want to take care of, Jesus has a bride that he wants to take care of, then all of a sudden you begin to recognize that that tithing is a lot more personal to Jesus and to God than we might think. And then the second thing that I want to leave you with today, this is kind of the, the, the kind of surprise that, that I think is going to be a twist to, um, to what you... about his faithfulness now. I can't help but give it back to him now. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's sing a little song. (laughs) What do you say we sing a song for our friends? Boy, I tell you, we better. I think it goes, uh, I'm gonna bring my tie to old Bainbridge Road and give it straight to the Lord. The Bible said we'll reap whatever we sow, so I'm gonna give some Check is in my hand. I'ma get my 10%, cause it's already his. We gon' show them right how we pay our tithe. Generosity in spite all the selfish pride. Can't nobody tell me different. God's been faithful. Can't nobody tell me different. God's been faithful. Tell him again, let's say. Can't nobody tell me The Bible said we'll reap whatever we sow, so I'ma give some more and more. Right out, boys! <laughs> yeah! I don't know about you, but I'm scarred now. Holy cow. <laughs> uh, that was not the surprise I was talking about, actually. <laughs> Oh my gosh, can't nobody tell me different. <laughs> oh my gosh, how do I follow that, right? <laughs> oh, here's the surprise. Here's, here's the real surprise that I wanted to leave you with. I don't know about you, but I've always kind of wrestled with how do, we, how do we rob God? Like how, how can we actually rob God. He doesn't need our money. He's got streets of gold. He's got walls of jasper. He's got, 
gates of pearl. I think, I think God's doing, I think God's doing just fine, don't you? Here's the second thing that I want to leave you with. Is that we rob God of the opportunity to bless us. When you and I lack the faith, and that's, that's kind of how I want to categorize it. When we lack the faith to trust God with our tithes and offerings, we're not taking money from him. We're not stopping ministry. The church is doing just fine. This isn't a message because we're hurting and we're in the red. We're in the black. We're fine. But what happens is, is that you and I have a heavenly father. Again, that loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross. And if you... And I think that the best that God had to offer was just that we would be missing the point that it has always been in God's heart to bless his creation. His blessing for our life doesn't stop with salvation. It begins there. And when God has this moment in Malachi 3 with the people of Israel, when he's kind of venting about all that he's done in their life and, and their kind of journey of, of disobedience and the season of them like looking at God, being like, well, you're not a man of your word because you're not giving me the blessings that, that you said you would give. And God's on the other side saying, well, listen, the only way that you can live in my blessing is when you align your life with me. And, and he pleads with them in this moment, he pleads with them to to embrace a lifestyle of obedience, to take the medication, the medication of their sickness, selfishness, and to begin to tithe and to be obedient. It's because deep down, more than anything, what God wants for you and I is beyond our ability to comprehend it. So he says, test me. He says, I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's not going to be easy, but he says, test me and see that I don't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing in your family, in your career, in your life, in your relationships, your finances, that there will not be room enough to store it. Church, God's at the door knocking. He's knocking and he, and he wants the opportunity to show you, to blow your mind, to, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you might ask or think. The only way that you and I can experience that in our life is to trust the push. When we sense the Lord nudging us into a direction that we're uncomfortable in going, that we can trust his plan. That if he's pushing us in a direction, it's 
because he knows at the end of the day, our life is gonna be more blessed there than it is here. This morning, I wanna draw your attention to something that's in the seat backs in front of you. It's a card that looks like this and I I wanna ask you to take a moment and pull that out. It says generosity ladder on the top. I get it. Listen, I get it. I get it. Your mind is thinking, okay, here it comes. Here's the pitch here. <laughs> That's not what this is. Look past this. Like if you're new here, um, I've never done a series on giving like this. I've done a couple messages in three years. This is not, this is not about us. This is about you being able to experience the full scope of what Jesus died on the cross so that you could experience But on this, you're gonna see something. It's our way of trying to provide handles for you to understand what generosity aligning yourself under God's system of living looks like. And you're gonna see that there's some steps to the ladder, that there is the initial giver, that there is an occasional giver, that there is an intentional giver. You're gonna see that uh, next to sacrificial giver, the star that's there. The reason why the star is there is because church giving $20 or $100 or every once in a while, because at the end of the month, you've got some left over. That's, that's not what God's talking about here. That's not, that's, not God, that's not the godly system. That's the worldly system of I've got the stuff that I want, that I want to build up And I wanna give God whatever I have left over at the end. And what God's saying is that if you're gonna be obedient, it comes with sacrifice. It comes with you saying, listen, at the end of the day, I'm not giving God my leftovers, I'm giving God my first. And I really wanna challenge you today and you're gonna take this card home. I'm not trying to draw on emotions or anything. I want to be as neutral as possible and share the facts and let it be between you and the Holy Spirit of wherever you currently are as it relates to your finances. And on the back, you're going to see some boxes. And here's my challenge to you as your pastor is to just take a step. Like if you've never even given a dime to a church anywhere, take a step and be an initial giver. If you've kind of like tipped God here and there, like take a step and to begin to be consistent in that. My challenge to you is to just take a step. And then I want to speak to those of you in the room that, that as you take this home and you pray about it, that if you feel like God's saying, listen, I've been, I've been at one of these rungs on the ladder and, and God's speaking to me that it's time, like it's time for me to take the step of faith to align myself in God's system, not the world system. I wanna show you how willing we are to test God with this. Is that you're gonna see on the back here a 90 day tithe challenge and I'm gonna challenge you to put God to the test. And you'll see on this, this begins December 1. And if you will be faithful to God in your tithes and offerings, at the end of 90 days, if you feel like 
you have not, God has not blessed you for being faithful. We will reimburse you everything that you gave within 90 days. And here's why. It's because it's so critical to the heart of selfishness to align ourselves with God's system in order for us to experience what he has for us. It's something Andrew and I committed to when we first got married and we've never wavered from it since. It's something that all of our staff do. It's something that all of our deacons do, not because the church needs money, but because we wanna be faithful to God and we wanna go all in. And I really wanna challenge you, church. This is, again, it's not us trying to get something from you. It's to give something to you. (laughs) God has great and amazing promises in store for us when we live obedient to his system. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.